Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. On July 1st, 2018, the Batia family, all 11 of them, were found dead in their home in Burari, Delhi, India. The story that unfolds is almost impossible to believe. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie, how's it going? Hello. Well, it's good. We're just over here trying to stay warm and, you know, trying to literally happened overnight here. I know, I was thinking about all your Halloween blow-ups and all those inches of snow (laughs) pinning them to the ground. Oh yeah. Well, last night when it really started snowing hard, I looked out there and we have this, uh, it's this big white like haunted tree blow up thing, yeah. you know, and his arms come up like this and he has a scary face and he's huge. He's like 12 feet tall. Yeah. And he was leaning over with his hands on the ground and <laughs> just getting pelted by snow. It was like, praying I don't know to live, praying to live, praying to live <laughs> or an I surrender kind of position. But uh, I went ahead and did him a favor and unplugged him. But <laughs> That's funny. It looked like a bad position to be in. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's sort of how it felt when we woke up to all this this morning. Craziness. Craziness. Well, that's what I said. I said my Halloween decor is pissed. They already have to compete with Christmas in the stores. And now this? Yes. Now in their own yard. (laughs) It'll melt. It will melt, won't it? It It will. will. Yeah. Yeah, I saw something on Facebook today that said, don't worry, uh, non non locals. This is only first winter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of how it goes here. It's all going to warm up and melt off and be fine, and then it'll do it again. And you know, yeah, yeah. Really, only till like after Thanksgiving do we actually get snow that actually stays. Usually, usually, yeah. But anyway, yeah. I have a humdinger of a case for you today. A humdinger. Okay. And it is a cold read. Um in in a way. I'm we know how these people died. We kind of know why, but I have some questions for you. So I want to give you the details and then let you I'm going to ask you some questions about why some of these things happened. Okay. Okay. So This is known um, as the Burari Deaths, and that's because it happened in Burari, Delhi, India. This was in 2018. On July 1st, 2018, a neighbor went to visit the the Bhatia family. And it was because they hadn't opened their stores. They owned a plywood shop and a grocery store, and they had not opened them. And one of the family members usually walked with this neighbor every morning and took a walk with them and they never showed up. So they went into the house. 
and they found 10 of the family members hanging basically in a circle from a grate in the ceiling. Oh my God. Dead. And the grandmother, they, uh, the police later found the oldest member of the family. She was 80 and she was in her bedroom, but she had also, she had been strangled kind of, kind of hung, but mostly strangled. We think, um, as you can imagine, wow. <laughs> uh, the police were like, holy hell. Yeah. The neighbors were terrified. Everybody was just. Oh, I cannot shocked. imagine how this would rock a community. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is a, this is a very um, heavily populated area. In this area, there are 30,000 people per square kilometer. Oh my God. Yeah. So they live like they have these tiny little alleyways between their houses. I mean, they live so close to each other. Yeah. So, of course, their neighbors, the customers in their stores knew them very well, loved them, yeah. found them to be wonderful people. You know, the stuff you always hear because people have sort of their outside selves and their inside yeah. selves. Yeah. And so people loved this family mm-hmm. and believed them to be great people, which they were, um, mm-hmm. but there were some problems. But uh, people rarely, after someone died, say, oh, yeah, he was a real son of a bitch, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, it's always like, it's he was true. the best guy, even if he really wasn't. It's, right. We have some kind of weird hero worship with people after they died, but anyway, carry on. Right. We do. It's true. Um, but people were like, you know, immediately people in the community were afraid there was like a murderer on the loose. Well, sure. I would be too. Were initially like, did one of the family members kill all the other family members? You know, they're kind of looking at it from, you know, what's most likely. And, you know, when stuff like this happens, you first look at family. And then they were kind of also running with, could it be anyone else? Well, there was, there were security cameras outside of their home and their stores that were just right basically in the same place. Uh And the only people coming and going before they were killed were them. And they were carrying with them things like telephone cord. And several of them were tied up hands and feet with telephone cord. And they realized pretty quickly that there was nobody on the security cameras going into their house other than them. Uh There was no one seen with any of this other with the stuff that they were hung with other than them. Uh-huh. So the police pretty quickly were like, they did this or one of them did this to the rest. But then you have to ask yourself, how does one person kill 10 other people? Yeah, right where I was going too. I'm like, how does one person subdue 10 other people long enough to kill them all and hang them up? Well, Pretty much the only way you do it is if they do it voluntarily. And that's what we discover in this case. So let me tell you a little about who these folks are. So they had been living in that neighborhood for about 20 years. Uh, They were from a town called uh, Tohana, Tohana in Haryana, India. They ran a grocery store and a plywood business. Uh So there were 11 members of the family. There was Narayani Devi. She was 80. Uh, She was the grandmother. Uh And then her sons, uh, Bhuvnesh, who was 50, and Lalit, who was 45, 
and then her daughter-in-laws, Savita, 48, and Tina, 42. Her daughter, uh, Pradipa Bhatia, who is 57, mm-hmm. and her grandchildren, Priyanka, who was 33, Nita, oh, Nitu, who was 25, Monu, who was 23, Dhruv, who was 15, and oh. Shiva, who was also 15. Oh, God. And so Bhuvnesh's old, um, older brother, so there was only one son that didn't live there, and he had moved out three years earlier, and so he's the only person left alive in his family. Oh, my God. Yeah. So in 2006, her son Lalit's father, his name was Bopal Singh, and he died in 2006. Okay. And so um, Narayana's uh, son Lalit, he got, he really reacted very, very strongly to his father's death. He got really introverted and started acting kind of weird. He'd also had a couple of head injuries prior to this. Okay. And he actually went for a period of, I'm not sure how long I've seen, somewhere between a year and three and a half years where he would not speak. Oh, wow. Okay. And I mean, he's an adult. You know, this happens with kids when they go through trauma. He's an adult. Wouldn't speak. um, Then started behaving really strangely. He was like uh, praying to trees. Okay. And walking around offering food to animals and just kind of doing weird stuff. So as they are investigating, as the police are investigating this case, they start finding these journals all over the house. And the journals are literally a daily story of what everybody in the family is to do. As though someone is writing you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, you're responsible for this, this is your role in our family. Like somebody was literally running their lives mm-hmm. through these journals. Well, they found 11 journals. So this had been going on for 11 years. It started in 2007. So a year been, after Grandpa dies. Years, a year after Grandpa dies, And they eventually figure out that most of the journals are written by Lalit. Okay. So, since that time in 2007, Lalit had been writing this diary on behalf of his father. And he told his family that he was possessed by his father's soul. And that he was going to continue to basically be the head of the family and control all of them and tell them what they were all to do through Lalit and through these journals. Okay. So they live this way for 11 years. Uh And no one knows on the outside. No one had any idea that this was happening. No one had any idea that Lalit was hallucinating had schizophrenia, I don't know, whatever was going on with Lalit. <laughs> and, you know, there are there are people in their community who noticed that some of the women weren't particularly happy. They didn't really get to have any uh, hobbies or any interests outside of their home, that they were, you know, pretty controlled about 
this is what your role is. You have to do this, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't, nobody knew that this Mm -hmm. was going on. And so there were times that they did all these weird rituals and people would get um, in trouble. And so they would be admonished in some way by by father or daddy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think they called him daddy, which is creepy. Um, Through what Lalit was writing in the journal, what Lalit was so supposedly channeling. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So they read through all the journals. It's super creepy that, you know, he's running all of their lives. So then they get to leading up to their deaths. And what's happening is that this is supposed to be the day that daddy returns and they're going to do this big ritual and then he's going to come back from the dead. Oh, boy. And the ritual is that they are all to hang themselves voluntarily. They're going to be hung for 10 to 15 minutes. And then he is going to arrive, untie their hands, save their lives, and he will be back. Oh, my God. So it appears that grandma decided that this was not okay. And so she was strangled in her bedroom and she had defensive injuries like she was trying to fight back trying to get away uh-huh. so Lalit and one other family member uh it appears actually subdued her and, and sort of hung her she she was sort of hung from like the handle of a wardrobe uh-huh. with a wire kind of so the rest of the family members it was all very specific they had to put a wet cloth around their mouths Their faces were almost completely covered. They were um, bound at the wrists and the ankles with telephone cord. The teenagers were wrapped up real tight, which makes you wonder if they they... really wanted to do this or not. Right. Because they were actually bound the tightest because there were two 15-year-old boys. Right. And they could have fought their way out of that. Right. I was going to say, they would have been strong enough and quick enough to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there was probably a caveat here that if everyone didn't participate, grandpa wasn't coming. Yes, exactly. It had to be everybody. So they all basically, they're all tied up. They, there are stools. There were five stools. So it was like they each shared a stool to stand on and then they kicked it out from under them. There were two people that did not have their hands bound and they believe that's because they were the people that were tying up everybody else. And they hung them. There was this sort of a courtyard uh, in their house and there was this grate up in the cover, like ceiling of it. Uh And they were hung kind of like in a circle and hanging from that. Uh And, um, you know, apparently the ritual didn't work because dad didn't come save them and they all died. Yeah. 
So that's how they're found. And that's what the police figure out. There's a lot of other weird kind of weird stuff that they did and psychological stuff that went into this. But I mean, that's the basic story huh. is that they were following this weird this is why it reminded me of the Kaneko case, because the Kaneko case, yeah. remember, they had all of those notes and they were following some weird manifesto. And that's what was happening here. Yeah. So we know how they died. We know why, roughly, why this happened. But what I want to ask you a couple of things. First of all, how did Lalit get the rest of the family so involved they were including the kids totally on board uh-huh. with ju- just judging by like the choices that they had made in their lives leading up to this point they were following everything that he told them uh-huh. how did he how did he get them to buy into this that's my first question for you well the kids were raised in it you know they were raised in it. They didn't really have any question, reason to question it. This was what they'd been told since they were tiny. This was just, this was normal. Uh, but I feel like the way the leak got everyone else to buy in is that grandma bought in. I feel like grandma bought in 150% okay. and nobody was going against grandma. If this is what grandma mm-hmm. thought, then this is what's happening. But I also think about, uh, you know, various religions in India and they are... Uh, you know, they are full of fantastical things happening, you know, right. thinking about like Hinduism and Buddhism and, you know, not to trash anyone's. They uh, were Buddhist, uh, ju- all, just but... judging by some of the things that I saw in their home, uh-huh. I believe that they were Buddhist. Yeah. So I, I think on that front, it's not totally fantastical to think that uh, something like this was happening. I feel like mm-hmm. grandpa in their mind had achieved kind of some kind of uh like godhood of sorts and mm-hmm. that uh you know they weren't terribly surprised i i also think that grandpa before he died uh was the spiritual patriarch of their family and that he was a bit of a uh, channel himself you know and that he was probably controlling the family a lot the same way that lalit did uh, maybe not quite so, uh, you know, by the book, but he was running things and, you know, this, this seemed, I, in some ways normal for them, but I think mm-hmm. most of it is because grandma bought in, grandma bought in, she believed it, she was all about it. Um, so it made sense. Interestingly, she's the one at the end that went, we think, yeah. you know, because she wasn't hanging I disagree with that, actually. I don't think that she had a change of heart. I think that she simply wasn't strong enough and capable of being a part of hanging her from up there. And it made more sense to uh, take care of her, you know, in another way. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think she had defensive wounds because she did panic, you know, as they Mm -hmm. were tying her up and trying to hang her. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. You know, I think she was actually the first victim and they didn't know what they were doing and they were hurting her. And so she instinctively fought back. I don't Mm -hmm. think she had a change of heart though. I don't, I just think she didn't have the physicality to get up on the stool and do the things, the other thing, the other, you know, 
players did to be hung. Sure. But I think that her health was failing pretty uh, profoundly at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel that too. She was pretty fragile. Mm-hmm. My other question is, were those teenage boys voluntary in their own hanging? Not really. No, I, I mean, I feel like they were very afraid to go against uh, the family and, and the, the green. But I feel like uh, they asked more questions, you know, and were a little bit more skeptical. And that was enough for other family members to really lock them down tightly. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that they had any idea that they were sending themselves to their deaths when they did this? I think some of them did. I think some of them did. I do. I think that some of the women did. And uh, basically, if everyone else was going, they were going to. You know, I I feel like uh, there were some of them that fully believed that this would be their salvation. I don't think all 11 of them did. I see two women particularly that uh, had spoken privately with each other and pretty much figured that this was you know, bonkers, but didn't want to be left and have the whole rest of the family go. And so they went to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then my last question, Lalit, was Lalit mentally ill or was this just a total power trip on his part? No, Lalit was mentally ill. I think it's a couple of things, actually. I do think that Lalit, after his dad died, that he did feel him, that he did have dreams about him. But he had some true, just like psychic attachment, spiritual attachment to him, mm-hmm. but wasn't uh, healthy mentally. And in his mind, it blew into something, uh, you know, that got to be pretty nefarious and pretty paranoid, too. I think that uh, part of him having to control everyone and everything the way he did was paranoia of people uh, leaving him or not believing him. Like, I, I think that he could be pretty... Uh, uh, I don't know, I, like that. I'm not sure what the right word is, but paranoid in that way. But uh, yeah, so I think it started with him having grief and, you know, having a mental health crisis. And it blew into this because it went unchecked because grandma bought in. So everybody else bought in. So it became commonplace. Yeah, yeah. That really resonates with me. I mean, it they had 11 years um, of indoctrination you know, yeah, yeah, that led them to this point. And of course, you know, their, their spiritual beliefs, you know, definitely bought in here. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, it, he had 11 years to get them to believe it. Yeah. And let me be really clear on that. This has nothing to do with Buddhism. It has nothing no. to do with Hinduism. What I meant by that comment was that these are people who had who came from cultures that have a lot of beliefs in the other side and in spirits coming through mm-hmm. and in the kinds of things that went on here that made this a normal thing for them more than it might for other cultures. That's all I sure. know. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's true that it wasn't as unusual as you would think. And, you know, we and we see this in human nature. I mean, once you buy in it's very hard to get out. Right. You know, we see this in cults. We see this in all kinds of, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, where you, once you're in, you're in. 
And, and it seems like that was the case here. And you're right, those youngest boys, this started when they were four. Yeah. So of course, it's you know, really this felt no, normal and like what was supposed to be happening because it had always happened. But imagine being the ones who have some doubts here, but the whole rest of your family is going to die or yeah. be exalted without you. So of course you've got to have a little fear that that could happen. But also, if you don't buy in, nobody goes. So how can you do that to them? Like, the, the peer pressure is immense. Yeah. 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 God, it is. what an awful, sad story. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And it had such a huge impact on their community, mm-hmm. on the police. They brought 11 ambulances in. And I, I saw some video of this in their backing these ambulances down this tiny narrow street mm-hmm. and they line them up 11 of them in a row and they put one body in each ambulance and drive them away. Oh. I've never seen anything like it. So bizarre. Wow. But it's a scary thing. You know, we've seen a lot of stuff lately mm-hmm. and it didn't, you know, shows you how you really have to stay connected to yourself and your own thoughts and your own feelings. Because people can get sucked in. Yeah. And in a family situation like this. Yeah. That's particularly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for those answers. I really appreciate that. I felt like we needed a little bit of insight into what the hell here, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a case. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You bet. So this is our Wednesday case, which means that we will be back Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Mountain with our case updates. We have lots of case updates to share. Oh, my gosh. So many things happening in like Gabby Petito and the Dave Vallo case and um, Murdaugh, Murdaugh, Cassidy, uh, Rainwater, Lauren Cho, uh, Lauren Cho. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, L. Yes, L. She went by L. Exactly. So, you know, return for the update because you're going to like it. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys know it. You've been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here. Take care.